welcome to The Unheralded. This is the podcast where we get to learn more about the sports professions you thought you knew about. With the help of those already working in their field, we'll get notions dispelled, hear some weird stories, and get to appreciate their jobs just a little bit more. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer, and on today's show, Sports Information Directors, or for short, SIDs. In the collegiate world, each sport usually has its own SID, and he or she plays a different role to different people. If you're in the media, SIDs are the gatekeeper of information. It's the person who helps media gain access to players for stories. An SID is a team spokesman who'll send out press releases and share, or, well, sometimes withhold, information with the press. For a player or coach, an SID helps shape the message of the team. They also want to make sure athletes are well equipped to face the media through the good and the bad. And finally, to the fans, an SID often helps run social media accounts of a team as well as help coordinate team-produced content that gives you an inside look at your favorite team. Before I go any further though, there's been a shift in the field. Social media and software like Adobe Creative Suite have forced those in the career to become more of a jack-of-all-trades, if you will. As such, they want to get away from the SID title and more towards something like communications director or media relations to better represent what they do. Today, you'll hear from Steve McLean and Denver Parlor. Steve has been at Florida for 28 years and has been a senior communications athletic director for the last 15. He's the gatekeeper of everything football. Denver has been at Florida for 8 years and has helmed men's basketball for the last 6. In my separate conversations with each, I learned how they adapted to new football and basketball coaches, what it's like when they butt heads with the media, and the most difficult moments of their career. The first voice you'll hear is Steve's. Steve, what's, uh, what are some misconceptions about the communications department and your role specifically? I would say that uh, you know, as a PR person, the one thing you always have uh, that you have to hang your hat on is <clears throat> you have to be truthful. And so sometimes the perception that we kind of spin the truth or um, don't tell the truth, and um, that kind of is hard to swallow sometimes, you know, um, when you're dealing with uh, um, different different constituents, whether it be the media or the publics who think you're just saying something because it's the you have to or it's what you're being told to say. At the same time, I'm not going to mislead you, and we get very creative with our words. And so, I feel like as a PR person, you have to you have to tell it something that's you have to make true statements. Um, so, there's a misconception maybe about truth sometimes and agenda serving and what's real and what's not. Yet at the same time, I think it's important to know that as a PR person, if I tell you something right now and I say this is true. There's a very good chance five minutes from now it might not be true. And there's a good chance tomorrow it might not be true. And so that puts you in a position where you look like you weren't telling the truth. And so I think, um, you know, that's, as a PR person, that's, that, that's, uh, that's something you have to battle. But yeah, at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable with what you know. I asked Denver the same question. The other thing I think is, um, like I think sometimes media members you know because you are with the team sometimes like some media members and this may be a little bit extreme wording but like they kind of like view you as the enemy like you know you're just trying to like control access or you're just trying to you know make my job harder or um, 
you know, I think a, a lot of media members probably don't have the best view of the, com the communications directors always. Um, and, you know, like the reality of the situation is that, you know, sometimes their priorities and our priorities are at odds. That's just the way it is. Um, you know, their goal is to break news and sometimes our goal is to protect information, um, you know, until the, the appropriate time. I feel like you wear many masks in relation to how you deal with the media one way, how you deal with the players one way, how you deal with the coaches one way. It's different relationships, different masks that you wear. Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Um, and yeah, you, ha you have to have the skill to be able to relate to and communicate with a wide variety of people. Um, some of whom have different priorities um, on any given time. So, you know, you have to be able to talk to a 18 to 22 year old in a way that helps you build rapport and some degree of trust with them so that, you know, when you need them, which might not always be under the best circumstances, you know, you might be coming to them after the team loses a tough game and you need them to do um, you know the media interviews like they're not going to want to do it but they have to be able to trust you that um, that what you're asking them to do is important um, and that you know that also that you're not going to put them in a bad situation or uh, and that they will that you'll also give them the tools to you know like when I'm walking them to an interview after a tough game that I can sit there and you know go over with them real quick hey just remember you know give your opponent a lot of credit give your teammates a lot of credit try to maintain positivity even though um, you know this is a tough situation so you have to be able to do that uh, but also you know with the media you have to um, obviously establish yourself as a professional and trustworthy person um, who is, you know, you're obviously representing the school, you're representing the team, but, um, you know, you help, I think in this profession, you help your, your school and your team's credibility by being a credible person with the media. Over the last couple of years, UF has undergone some major changes in athletics. In December 2014, Jim McElwain became the new football coach. Just five months later, the school hired Mike White to lead men's basketball after the legendary Billy Donovan left for the NBA. And in October of last year, Scott Strickland took over as the school's athletic director as beloved AD Jeremy Foley stepped down. Those are all huge changes to massive programs. Football and basketball generate upwards of $70 million a year for Florida, and, well, two head coaching changes there in five months is a scary thing in Gainesville. But the fans are not the only ones on their toes when big changes like this happen. After only knowing Billy Donovan for his entire professional career at Florida, Denver had to adapt to a new head coach. It's nothing unique for new basketball players to come and go through Florida. It's mm -hmm. a natural process, but mm -hmm. Mike White, mm -hmm. men's, uh, men's head coach, he came in very recently. He's in his second year right now. Yeah. What was that like 
with a new incoming coach, especially replacing someone's caliber, Billy Donovan, yeah. who's, who was a staple here. Yeah. Uh, what, what was what was that interaction and that relationship and that getting to know you, like with Mike White? Yeah. You know, regarding what your role is and who gave who the directive. Right. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. It's it's so first of all, so much of your quality of your job and you know which translates into quality of life even depends on um, you know how good your head coach is to work with. So when somebody as good as Billy leaves, you know your first thought is like, oh boy, this could get bad really fast for me. But I think my first interaction with Coach White was, um, I think I had either given him a call or shot him a text message to say, hey, I'm your new SID, I'm your new communications guy, so if there's anything I can do, just let me know. Um, and he wound up giving me a call. He, he asked for help in or just any guidance I might have or any suggestions for as he prepared his remarks for his opening press conference. Um, you know, and I was able to kind of, you know, give him a little bit of advice. So, um, would you tell him? I told him, so back when, I guess, I don't have firsthand knowledge of this because I wasn't here yet, but I guess when Ron Zook took over for um, Steve Spurrier back in 2002 or whenever it was, I see, um, several times throughout his opening press conference, you know, made, hey, I'm not Steve Spurrier, blah, 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 blah. And like, kept coming back, I'm not Steve Spurrier. And so when things started turning sour for him, people were like, well, yeah, he told us at the beginning, he's not Steve Spurrier. <laughs> so I said, you know, like, I think I can see where this would be a natural place to go for you to say, hey, I'm not Billy Donovan, but like, there's a little bit of a history with that type of comment here, and it wound up like kind of coming back into the guy's face, and he's like, oh, thank God you said that, because I was going to say that. How much of a hand do you have in uh, helping athletes uh, learn how to communicate better and building relationships with them? I think, well, it's something our staff spends an awful lot of time on uh, when you talk about a... This is Steve talking again. Uh, misconceptions. Uh, I think the one thing I could also add in there is that we don't we don't tell our kids what to say, and probably the media probably thinks that we're prepping them and telling them what to say. Now, do we sometimes tell them what to expect? Yeah, going back to truth and and telling what's real. Like you have to let these people have to have their own thoughts and opinions, especially today, because they could say one thing here and do something totally different over here. Social that is clear that this is what this is what they believe in. So. And in some cases, our kids ask us, what should they say? And I'm real careful not to still tell them, this is what you should say. Because again, I, I actually come back to them saying, well, what, what are your initial thoughts? Most of the time when they say that, they're just not sure how to verbalize it or think they need to be really lengthy or articulate and like speaking some spoutful wisdom. You know, and I, I say, well, what, what are you really thinking? And so they say it in their words. And usually I say, well, that kind of works. Just say it. You know, you don't have to say any different than that. You know, so some, when we do have those conversations about what to say, I, I, I kind of just turn it back to them and say, well, what do you think? Sometimes, though, an athlete has had enough and decides he wants to close himself off completely to the media. Denver has actually had to deal with this scenario before. One of the guys who I, I was really pleased with in the... Um, in, in the way he kind of came along was Casey Prather. 
Um, so he, you know, was really kind of, um, you know, pretty average player for three years here. And um, before his senior year, he kind of said to me, he was like, then I'm done doing media. I was like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, uh, and, you know, I was like, what, you know, what prompted that? And he's, you know, he said, well, I just want to, you know, kind of focus um, and, you know, not worry about external stuff or whatever. So I just don't want to do it anymore. And so I was able to kind of sit down with him and have a conversation with him and, and, you know, I told Casey, like, you have an opportunity here. You know, you're going, you're going to be a senior. You're going to be a starter on this team. Um, you know, first of all, you play basketball at Florida, so people are interested in you. Um, second of all, doing media interviews is something that kind of like everybody has to do, and there's so few people on a basketball team that if one person doesn't kind of pull their weight with that, everybody else kind of gets stuck doing more. So you don't want to be a bad teammate in this regard. And, you know, most importantly, I said, you know, people are going to write about you one way or the other. And so you have the opportunity to tell your story and um, give your perspective uh, so that it's not left to other people to assume or to, um, or to kind of fill in the blanks where, you know, if you don't talk, your story's not going to be told correctly. I was really proud of him for kind of like being open-minded to hearing that and I, I think that when you kind of take the time to explain what you know what you yourself do how you you're trying to help them in the bigger picture of um, the bigger picture of you know how this also benefits them and you know helps them create a skill in public speaking or uh, you know, or dealing with difficult situations. Like, that's a skill that translates to later in life, you know, no matter what they do. Steve has been through some pretty good times at Florida. He's experienced all three of football's championships, for example. But there have been some really rough times for which, frankly, there wasn't any protocol. Um, Billy Donovan, when he, uh, him and his wife lost a child at stillbirth, um, that was, that was kind of difficult, obviously, as close as I was with him too, personally, and just uh, at the same time trying to figure out how to put that work hat on and deal with it on the professional side. Um, How'd you do it? It, it was hard. That, I, there was a talk about biting your tongue. There was a couple times because um, you know you're dealing with other people who are trying to quote unquote do their jobs and, re and report and find out information, and you're trying to respect. The family's privacy and um, sorrow, and how they're dealing with it. Um, you know, in the end, when it came to that, and the second one I'll talk about is again is somewhat similar in terms of the um, is doing what what was right then was whatever whatever kind of maybe Billy and Christine how they wanted to handle it. You know, there wasn't really um, there's not a there's not a uh, handbook for that. You know, and so the other case was A. Ross Otan was a football player here from Louisiana that came here as a freshman this summer, and he passed away um, after you know one of our preseason workouts. And uh, 
you know, again, you're trying to put together a plan for the PR side of it, and um, kind of the family told us that, you know, he was in a coma, he hadn't passed yet, and said, right now, we'd rather not say anything, we'd rather just wait until all our thoughts and prayers go with your, go for our, our son and our family, and so that's what we said publicly, uh, because that's what the family wanted to do, and so anytime it come, when it came to those things, I never once wavered from this was the right thing to do, and yet, believe it or not, there were critics about what you were saying, and I'm like, woof, this is kind of tough. You know, you better really hold your tongue on this one, because this is like life, and this is life and death. It's not, and we're not trying to spin anything. We weren't trying to, you know, especially obviously in Billy's case, but in, in A. Ross's case, there's a lot of questions being asked about what was the workout, what was the supervision, you know, why, the why of why it happened, which is natural anytime something like that happens. But, um, so that was kind of really kind of hard to navigate because, uh, you know, you, there's no way you could, if the face with the family wants to do it as their son, that's what you have to do. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't disagree. I'm not trying to imply that I disagreed with it. But again, believe it or not, there were people people that were critical of it. And that, I got up. And that's hard. That's hard for me to swallow that one in terms of, you know, you can tell talking to me now, it still kind of bothers me a little bit. You know what I mean? And so when I, uh, I think about it back then, you can imagine how emotional I would get dealing with it then. For, so for, I mean, for the most part, the communications department of university always wants to keep a, a, a good relationship with the media. Sure. Um, those tense moments, uh, are they difficult to navigate? Do you find yourself maybe want to penalizing? No, the, I think the, as the you get... Um, newspaper. The, yeah, the biggest thing I think I've... Uh, again, uh, most of what we do um, comes from experiences that you... Uh, again, there's... Um, you can't teach someone how to react in those situations, right? So I think um, I, I think there's over time you learn that different experiences shape the way you handle things. You know, uh, I'm pretty calm talking to you about this now, even though you can see emotionally, it's still maybe kind of is there's something there still for both of those issues. Um, I probably was I probably was uh, I, don't, I don't know the right word is calm, but uh, I think it was pretty evident from the people I was talking to that my emotions were pretty real, you know. So in those cases, I don't think, uh, even though there might have been some disagreements over whatever news or information or whatever we were outlining, at the end of the day, I did recognize that people were just doing their job too. I, I don't think they took comfort in calling me up and asking me, what Billy Donovan thought of this. They just knew they had to ask that question. So I think at some point, both parties kind of realized we're doing our job here, yet at the same time we're human. Both Steve and Denver told me the good times have thankfully overshadowed the bad. Denver recalls the 2013-14 season where the team went 36-3 and was perfect in the SEC and came out victorious in the conference championship. To me, the moment that probably sticks out the most personally um, is when we beat Kentucky in the championship game of the SEC tournament. Um, you know, we were up one point. They had the ball. We needed a stop, and we got it. Um, you know, to win the tournament championship. 
Um, and then they let me climb up the ladder to cut a piece of the net. Um, and my wife, Megan, was in the crowd. Uh, so to me, that one probably sticks out. And then, you know, I got to cut the net again in Memphis when we earned a trip to the Final Four. But uh, winning the championship in Atlanta and Megan getting to be there for it was uh, probably sticks out as maybe my favorite thing. It's moments like these that keep Steve going despite 28 years on the job. It's, you know, I've been doing this for 28 years and I'm not even close to feeling tired about what I do for a living. It's, it's uh, you know, first of all, working in the, when I first got in this business, working in college athletics, some of my friends thought, well, you're going to go to the pros someday. Like, that's a bigger and better job. I think that's just personal preference. So one thing I really enjoy about working in a college environment, it keeps you young, keeps you energetic. There's something new. New mean you have new student athletes come through, you have new challenges in your job, um, changing technology and things like that. So I think it's just the newness of it. You know, sometimes people say, did you ever tired doing what you do? Um, you know, no, because it's, it's, it's new every day. That was Steve McLean and Denver Parler, part of the communications team at the University of Florida. Denver might be in the middle of making some new favorite memories. At the time of this recording, the men's basketball team is coming off one of the greatest finishes in school history, an overtime buzzer beater against Wisconsin to advance to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. I'm your host, Eddie Almaguer, and that does it for season one of The Unheralded. I hope the next time you watch a game on TV, you'll see the cameraman or the assistant coach and, you know, be happy that you know something about them that makes you appreciate their jobs just a little bit more. 